given to black moods, prone to violence. Macon shrugged. It wasn't untrue. He wondered where he would go when Lundis dismissed him from the guard. Fortunately, Lundis continued, King Olidan considers such qualities to be a price worth paying to have in his employ men who excel at taking lives when he commands it, or in defense of what he owns. You're to be put on general castle duty on a permanent basis. Macon pursed his lips, unsure of how he felt. Taking service with the king had seemed to be what he needed after his long and bloody year. Setting down roots again. Service, duty, renewed purpose, after his losses had set him adrift for so long. But just now, when he had thought himself cut loose once more, bound for the loneliness of the road, he had, for a moment, welcomed it. Makin stood, pushing back the chair that Lundist had directed him to. I will attempt to live up to the trust that's been placed in me. He thought of the ditch. Karis had had faith in him. A child's blind faith. Nessa had had faith in him. In his word. In God. In justice. And her trust had seen her pinned to the ground by a spear in the cornfield behind her home. He saw again the blue strip of sky. Lundist bent to his ledger, quill scratching across parchment. As Macon turned to go, the tutor spoke again. The need for vengeance feels like a hunger, but there is no sating it. Instead, it consumes the man that feeds it. Vengeance is taking from the world. The only cure is to give. Macon didn't trust himself to speak, and instead kept his jaw locked tight. What did a dried-up old scribe know of the hurts he'd suffered? There's a gap between youth and age that words can't cross, Lundist said. He sounded sad. Go in peace, Makin. Serve your king. The healing hall is on fire! A guardsman burst through the door into the barracks. What? Macon rolled to his feet from the bunk, sword in his hand. He'd heard the man's words, saying what was just a reflex, buying time to process the information. He glanced at the blade in his grasp. An edge would rarely help in fighting flames. Are we under attack? No one would be mad enough to attack the tall castle. But on the other hand, the queen and her two sons had been ambushed just a day from the capital. Only the older boy had survived. And barely. The healing hall is on fire! The man repeated, looking round wildly. Macon recognised him as Albrecht, a new recruit. A big lad, second son of a landed knight, and more used to village life than castles. Fire! All along the barracks room, men were tumbling from their beds, reaching for weapons. Macon pushed past Albrecht and gazed out into the night. An orange glow lit the courtyard, and on the far side, tongues of flame flickered from the arched windows of the healing hall, licking the stonework above. Castle dwellers scurried in the shadows. Shouts of alarm rang out, but the siege bell held its peace. Fire! Macon roared. Get buckets! Get to the east well! 
Ignoring his own orders, Macon ran straight for the hall. It had once been the House of Orr's family church. When the Ancraths took the tall castle 120 years previously, they'd built a second church, bigger and better, leaving the original for the treatment of the sick and injured, or, more accurately, to repair their soldiers. The heat brought Macon up short yards from the wall. The devil's work! Friar Glenn's voice just behind him. Macon turned to see the squat friar, halted a few yards shy of his position, the firelight glaring on the baldness of his tonsure. Is the boy in there? Friar Glenn stood, mesmerized by the flames. Cleanse my fire! Macon grabbed him, taking two handfuls of his brown robe and heaving him to his toes. The boy! Is Prince York still in there?